You're listening to a Radio Stockdale podcast. Podcasts that are inspiring, interactive, and feature various discussions of leadership, ethics, and law. Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me as always... Sean Baker. I almost wanted to say name and profession. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And today's topic is the 2021 film, Old. So this is a movie that follows a family. Yeah, well, two families, right? Two families. It's a number of families going to this resort, but the main family we're following are the Kappa family. Mm-hmm. The mother, Guy, and Prisha. Yeah. And they have a boy and a girl, um, Trent and Maddox. Right. Trent is about six years old. Maddox is a little bit older, like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And they go to this, you know, they, they look this resort up online. And they arrive there, and the first thing they go to this tropical resort is they've said, like, you know, you filled out this thing online about the types of drinks you prefer, so here's your drinks. Yes. And they drink, and it looks like a beautiful, luxurious seaside resort. Yes. They're going around. The little kid, little boy, um, Trent, makes friends with one of the boys at the uh, resort. I believe his father works there. His Yeah, his father actually runs the program. Program, Yeah. And they're, they even have, like, secret little coded messages they send to each other. It's yeah. like ice cream tomorrow and stuff like that. Right. And one yeah. day they wake up, and the main guy who runs that resort sort of tells them, like, I got a little secret for you guys. There's this nice little remote beach you guys can go. I don't tell this to everybody, but it's yeah. fun. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to go, we have this van that will take you right there. And then around the same time, we see some of the other people there. There is um, a doctor named Charles, right. whose, whose wife is Crystal. And Crystal will be sure to tell you, as she tells everyone else in the movie, that she has a calcium deficiency. Yes. And they have a little daughter. Um, Kara. Kara, who's like four or five. Five, somewhere. And they in have there. like yeah. a... Uh, I think Charles's mother is there too. Yes. The yes. And then we also see a couple, um, Jaren and Patricia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaren is a male nurse, and Patricia is a psychologist. Yes. And because there's one thing in this movie, everybody be sh- is always sure to tell everybody what their name and profession is. Yes. There's a little run on running joke with the kids. They go to all the people in the resort saying what's your name and your profession yes but it's not even just the kids like every every all the adults are doing it too yes it gets gets kind of annoying yes and eventually as the kappa family we also find out that guy and prisha are having marital problems and they're having they they had this as one last little farewell for the children before they're about to separate yes so they go down but in the tour bus also is everyone else the couple yes and charles and everybody and they all like oh he told us this was a secret i didn't know we were going to go down there too yeah and so they all go there and they're on the beach and then they see this guy the daughter 
um, Maddox recognizes him. He's a rapper who, yes, this is his name in the movie. His name is Midsize Sedan. That's his rap name. <laughs> yes. And he's acting very strange. As we see in a flashback, he's with this woman, and she goes uh, skinny dipping into the ocean. Yeah, on the same beach. Yeah, and he yeah. doesn't really follow her. Right. And then he, we just see him there, and he's still staying in that position. Yeah, sitting, sitting at the edge of the beach, which we have to mention is at the neck... Uh, uh, at the foot of a rather large uh, rock yeah. cliff kind of thing that they had to walk through like a, a narrow passage to get to the yeah, beach. Basically, the driver who is played by M. Night Shyamalan, who's the director of this movie, yeah. he just drops him off, says, I'll be back at 5 o'clock to pick you up. Here's some food and stuff to hold you guys over for the day. And he even says, can't you help us? This is a lot of stuff to carry. He says, ah, no, 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 I got to go back, but you'll be fine. Yeah, I, he does say, call us, call me if you if you want to leave earlier, but... Yeah, uh, none of them. I think they try once, don't they? And no there's, signal, yeah, right? There's no yeah. signal. Yeah. So. And then that, and as they get to the beach, that's when things start to get strange. Um, the woman that was with Midsize Sedan washes up on the beach, and she's dead. Yep. And Midsize Sedan has he he mentions he had he came to this beach because he has hemophilia. Yeah. And he is his nose is bleeding. Bleeding, yeah. Which earlier on is leads leads the other people to believe that he and the woman had a fight, right? And yeah. He inadvertently killed her or something, and that, he's got the bloody nose because she punched him, and he has to do some convincing to convince them that's not what happened. In fact, he's got a, a hemophiliac condition. Yeah. yeah. And then also around that time, the, the uh, Trent and Maddox, they're going away, they swim, they come back, and they notice that they're no, they've gotten older. Yeah, they've grown he's, rapidly. Trent has yeah. now become, we see the first time we see Trent, he's now gone from being a little six-year-old to probably 12 or 13. Yep. Maddox now looks like probably she's 18 or 19. Four, yeah, 16, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. And... Now they're getting older, and then also the old, uh, Charles, the doctor, his mother, goes into the beach, and then she comes out, and she starts becoming sick, and then she later dies. Yes. And then that's sort of when things start to go along. They realize somehow people are rapidly aging on this beach. They try to escape, and they go through that little hole they came, but every time somebody goes, they black out and stumble back to where they go. Yeah. There's yeah. some sort of... Never quite explained. Yeah, never quite explained. <laughs> but then, uh, it prevents them escaping, at least through that big cliff, that little narrow passageway. And then also we find out that everybody who's here on this beach has some sort of medical condition. Yep. Um, Jaren and uh, Patricia, Patricia, the wife, she has epilepsy. Yep. She, we see her have an epileptic fit before they go on the beach. Yep. And then she is there, but she is for so it, it acts up, but it doesn't act till later. And then we yeah. also realize that uh, Prisha had a benign tumor, right? But somehow in here, it's grown to like the size of like a football or something, right? And they have to cut it open. But the thing is, in this beach, anytime somebody has a cut or a wound, it rapidly heals. Yes. So they have they pull off this this like. Uh, they surgery. make the incision. Everybody has to hold it open so it won't heal. Yeah, get rid of it, and it's this massive size. Yes. 
and we see Ruf, uh, Charles, the doctor, played by mm-hmm. Rufus Sewell. That's why I made the little mistake. Uh-huh. Um, he, he's he's acting strange. Yes. Which, I mean, in this movie, everybody acts is strange. Acting even strange. in normal yeah. situations. Yes. Kind of like, nobody really talks like this. Yes. But... Yeah. Um, he like he's obsessed with like what's that movie with Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando? Yeah, he, he first does that when he's helping do the surgery because he's the one medical guy. And I read that the first time he started doing that is oh he's trying to break the tension. Mm-hmm. You know how sometimes surgeons will do this, have normal conversations with people to kind of relax them yeah. while they're doing this task. But it turns out as things unfold that he he does have some kind of severe psychological. Yes. Uh, condition. He's the one that's really antagonizing mid-sized sedan yes. over this. And then the big thing is they're realizing they're rapidly aging on this beach. Everybody is getting older. Yeah. And then later on, because Trent spends time with Kara, Kara has now aged to where she is about 15 and 16, and they're hiding out in this little tent together. Yeah. And then they, when they come out, Trent has now become older to where he's like 16 or 17 now. Well, and she's in her 20s or something. She's in her yeah. 20s, I yeah. believe. And she. Although maybe they're both about the same. Yeah, yeah. And she comes out and now she is pregnant. Yeah. And they didn't even know how it happened because, you know, they were, nobody told them yet because they weren't old enough. They're only five or six. So yeah. they're pregnant. They have to perform a birth procedure. The baby's born, but it dies because of the condition yeah. on the speech. And this whole time, they're seeing, so they feel. they. Way out in the distance, they see like cameras and something set up. Yeah, a little a little glint, sunlight's glinting off of something, and they see a man, a couple of times, who must apparently be uh, Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, something strange. The, the kids know something's going on. They know that they're being watched. Yep. Yeah, and then this is when we realize that the doctor Charles starts to lose his mind that he's schizophrenic. Yes. He kills mid-sized sedan. Basically, it gets to the point where the only... Because um, then also Kara tries to climb up, mm-hmm. but she slips and falls and she dies. She dies, yep. So the only two people left now... Well, the, the, the Kappa family's alive and guy and Pritchard are now very old. Yeah. They Actually, sort of have a, that scene works a little bit for that, me. Yeah, that, that was kind of a good... They have a reconciliation the, and they just and, sort of accept what's going on yeah. and realize that they don't have much time left. Yeah, they, they can't even remember what they were uh, having a fight about. Yes. Because uh, unlike most of the other characters, they've actually, I guess because of the onset of senility, they've, they're closer to having have, having aged as mentally as many years as physically they seem to be aging mm-hmm. uh so they do have that nice little scene where you know i, I don't even know what we were fighting about and they yeah, hold and each other and then they die and the kids are there supporting them because they're on their last legs mm-hmm. i like that scene it was kind of a touching yeah. scene uh yeah. just kind of bugged me a little bit that they didn't look like they were aged all that much bad old people makeup yeah, yeah. just put a little wrinkle things on their face yeah they didn't do enough of it it didn't yeah. look convincing and then we see um, the next day it's morning and we see Trent and Maddox and now they are like in their 40s or 50s. 50s, yeah. And yeah. they sort of resign their fate, but they, he remembers that one of that kid left him a coded message that he never decoded. Yeah. And then it says something about like... My dad doesn't like, like the, the coral. coral. And so his dad is the guy, thing. this was the, I forget the kid's name, but his dad is, like I said, the guy running yeah. this... Uh, so, we um, see 
project. And making her run for the coral, thinking, okay, we get past there, we won't be affected by this beach that's making us rapidly older. Yes. And we see them, and we don't, we don't, we see them stuck on something on the bottom, so we don't yeah. know if they made it. And we cut back to Shyamalan, yeah. their driver, he says, all right, they're all gone, nobody ever makes it past the reef. The one guy that did, he still ended up drowning. Yeah. And then we get, because it's a Shyamalan movie, so there's the big twist reveal that this whole resort is a medical testing facility. They specifically, they're under the guise of a seaside resort, but they only choose people who have some sort of medical condition. Yes. And they give them those cocktail drinks, that's the medication to see if it works. Right. And and they they know, apparently they knew about this beach that rapidly olds people, that way they can have these long-term medical testing effects yeah. within the span of a day. Yes. The big thing was, was Patricia, who suffered from epilepsy, they gave her that medication and it what didn't hit her, her epilepsy didn't start up again for like another few hours. They say in real time, it's like 50 years. 50 years. Yes. So we figured that out. And they say, yeah. well, they celebrate the it. Yep. Schizophrenia, that didn't work. It's basically, it, it, it's all exposited everything. So yes. It, it, There's it, nothing, right. nothing left on, uh, un so said all, and mysterious. That's for sure. And they're all getting ready to bring this another group in. They're bringing the drinks. And then all of a sudden we see, because the thing is, um, Trent was always going to all the people at the resort saying, what's your name? What's your occupation? And this one guy said he was a cop. And the yeah. guy's still there. He hasn't gone to the beach. Yeah. And then this guy goes, you're a cop, right? And he hands him this notebook that he found that was all the testing of all the names. Yeah. And then right as they're about to give the, the new rivals the drinks, he knocks the glass over and says, I wouldn't drink that. And then the, they find out that they did survive the coral reef. They made it back to the resort and the whole cover has been blown cops are gone yes and trent and maddox are alive they're in their 40s or 50s and they're going back to see their aunt yeah and and uh that's the movie that and, is the movie and uh it was i've always wanted to do a so bad yeah. it's good movie like something you can laugh at I yeah like, we've got to do m night Shyamalan's the happening this is the happening level's bad i was unintentionally yeah. laughing yeah it's it, sometimes with Shyamalan, you like the dialogue, especially when he writes for kids, it comes off really goofy. Mm -hmm. And like the acting was so bad. I don't know if he was trying to be serious with this movie. It's hard to say. I don't, probably not. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's a swing and a miss for him. Yeah, it certainly this is, is. This is this is like it reminded me of the happening with or like when you when I think of some bad movie classics like The Room or this one guy who's famous for a really awkward dialogue, Neil Breen, who makes these really terrible movies. When I'm yeah. thinking of that in your movie, that's not a good sign. Well, yeah, and it, it, it kind of it, it raised the possibility in my mind. I, I don't think it was intentional, but it did raise the possibility that perhaps it was. Maybe he was uh, purposefully setting out to make something that's very much like those bad 50s B-movies you've seen with the atrocious dialogue, like Ed, what's the guy's name? Um, Ed Wood. Ed Wood, uh, those kinds of things. Because the, the person whose dialogue just made my eyes roll the worst was um, Mid-Sized Sedan. <laughs> and I almost could not pull them back out of my skull and yeah. rotate them back toward the front because it was it just seemed so bad it seemed forced or intentional i should say um but i think in the in the end i i just think it's him trying to be him night Shyamalan and give you a twist ending but the thing that i've found uh 
besides just the general silliness of the film that I, I found it just didn't work is I kind of figured it out relatively early on because these were massively obvious tells at the yeah, beginning of the, everyone is every, revealing their condition and their profession yeah. and uh, my first thought was, okay, the kid's being sent around on purpose to do this, and and he's also been told to recruit the other kids at the uh, the uh, resort to do this, so they can get this information out of them. And then they get to the beach, and then somebody notices, one of the characters notices. You know, we all have these conditions, so you know it's pretty obvious early on. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I thought early on, well, this is some kind of a weird. A laboratory experiment, like a, a, a test regime for drugs, and sure enough, that's what. And the drinks—that's one of the first things I thought when they were so obviously offered these drinks, which looked bizarre, a little bit bizarre in the first place. And then, sure enough, at the end, they show them in the laboratory carefully making the drinks, and you know, for the next batch of uh, test subjects, and putting the umbrellas in them, and so forth. So I kind of saw it coming, and. That's what makes me think it's unintentional, because yes. Shyamalan likes to hide things and make you guess uh, uh, toward the end and not make it quite so obvious. And I think he, he unintentionally made it far too obvious. He gave you way too many tells. And it, it's kind of a shame, uh, because I, I think they, they could have... The, the premise is interesting. There, there's another film I think does a better job of... Uh, exploring the the ethics of medical research in in this kind of science fiction twist ending kind of way it's one we we did a quite a few episodes ago we're darn near 100 episodes here right this might have been like episode 15 or 20 i'm thinking uh extreme measures if you remember that one uh that thing leaves you hanging you don't know what's going on uh, until closer to the end of the film and then you get a good juicy ending where you have the two main characters having this uh, heated ethical discussion about this research. Well, Shyamalan kind of does that at the end in the laboratory scene, you know, where this head guy uh, congratulates all these people and kind of tries to assuage their guilt that they're having to lose test subjects in the process of doing this. Just remember, maybe in the in the case of the epileptic uh, medicine, we, we're going to save thousands or millions of lives, even though the others failed. So you have to think those along those lines, and you think, okay, maybe this is going to be one of those highly dramatic uh, uh, confrontations with the two survivors. Maybe they would bust into the lab, and you'd have this kind of a debate like you saw, or this angered confrontation like you saw in Extreme Measures. It doesn't happen, uh, and it just kind of leaves it hanging. Uh, so in terms of uh, a wanting a film uh, to explore ethical or philosophical topics. Yeah, it kind of does in a very superficial way, but it just spends more time almost wanting to impress you with the oddity of the behavior of the characters and the stilted awkwardness of their... It it makes you laugh so much that you can't take anything serious. Yes, exactly right. Which was what he did with The Happening, a movie that was trying to give a message about the environment and global warming and climate change, but everybody acts so weird and robotic that you laugh so much you can't take anything yeah. he's doing seriously. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's just a, a kind of an object lesson, and 
it seems like there's almost no middle ground with this guy in terms yeah. of the quality of his films. They're either very good. It's Unbreakable, which is a classic. A classic, yeah. And Sixth Sense is fantastic. And, and I like Signs. Yeah, you know that. Signs is a great Split, film. Another good one. Yeah. And, and then these just god-awful, <laughs> dare I say, monstrosities um, that just... They're swings and misses. I mean, they're not just a swing and a miss. It is a full at bat with yeah, you know, I, swings and misses. Yeah, you know? I was laughing quite a lot. Like one of my favorite lines is, "The dog is dead. It was just alive a minute ago." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, and, and and even the possible exploration of uh, what it would be like to live in in the shoes of people undergoing this process. They they fail to explore that because there's some interesting things there in considering what it would be like to be a five or a six year old who is suddenly aging all of us and and having to take that in and take in the fact that your parents are rapidly aging and the question arises will they grow up and mature along with the physical maturation process or will they remain mentally at their at their mental age and and you get uh, apparently he wants to say that uh, they would, because by the end of the film, the two kids are acting like mature fifty-year-old adults. I guess he's he, he's wanting to say that that would happen. You'd have this rapid mental maturation. I doubt that very seriously. That would happen, but uh, it would have been more interesting for him to explore the other, more likely scenario where you'd be mentally a five or a six-year-old in an adult body and try and. And, and he tries to do that, like the, the whole scene in the tent. They don't know what they're doing because they're five or six. But it just doesn't go anywhere. And it comes off, again, very silly uh, in the in the ensuing scenes. Yeah, and I know he w- what I read was he was trying... The whole thing is really about the passage of time and how people take it in different ways. And you could go, like you said, with Trent and Kara, the girl he gets pregnant, the fact that... There are 14, 15-year-olds who have babies who get pregnant because they don't have the proper education in schools, or yeah. they do, or they just ignore it, or they don't have the proper parental guidance. Yep. And you can talk about that, or even just, you know, the act of time healing all wounds with Prisha and, and um, the, the two parents. How, yes. Like you said, they were ready to separate. She, she even talks about how she's been seeing somebody else, and, you know, he's think that their yeah. relationship is done but at the end when they they, they forgive each other because they realize they're at their end and at the end they don't even yeah. remember what it yeah. was which can also be probably to people having dementia as they go in the later years yeah. of their life and now Trent and Maddox have to take care of them like yeah. kids have to take care of their parents when they get older right yeah, and and it would have been I think probably a better idea if he had decided to whittle down to one of these things and deal with them and the one I would have picked would have been the, the aging of the two parents because that's the one area in this film, that relationship that I connected to and thought, this is realistic, you know, even though, yeah, there's some... Good scene. It, one good scene in the yeah, movie. And, and some of the dialogue they had was good, too. And you could see that there was a lot of tension there that they were trying to hide from the kids. And you have the kids kind of coming to the realization, as older kids do, that uh, all is not Warden June Cleaver at, at, at home, right? And having to uh, deal with that. But also um, dealing later on with the fact that they now, as adults, have to be the caregivers for their uh, elderly parents. Um, that all, like I said, it was done too quickly. Uh, but it, it tapped into enough of that to make those portions of the film 
kind of uh, endearing, I guess I could say. Um, he should have, I think, explored that, and I would have, I would have completely altered the premise. It'd be much more of an interesting film if the people who are running this resort uh, aren't, in fact, just medical uh, uh, running medical uh, drug tests. Uh, what what if they were order uh, something on the order of um, psychotherapists or something like that? And uh, they kind of look for people that have the kinds of issues that uh, uh, Prisca and uh, Guy had, right? And they 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 sell them you know, how they sold this thing. You know, I guess they got the thing in the mail. I'm still not sure exactly how they, they got. They looked it up online. Yeah. Or something. So you know that they they're trying they're trying to do a good for those individuals, right? So uh, they bring them to the beach and they subjected them to the accelerating aging thinking that this will allow them to overcome their uh difficulties with each, with each other or their conflicts and resolve things and then they let them go and then the question would arise uh it yeah it's clearly not consensual right so right off the bat that's ethically problematic but since they resolved these people's issues and they live happier now uh is it something that they should appreciate or should they feel violated? Right. I think that would have been a much more interesting thing to explore. Um, and the, he had the germ there of doing that with those two characters and the two kids, you know, and uh, it just didn't happen. And it does, we talked about um, extreme measures. Yeah. We were bringing up real life basis like one was we brought up was the tuskegee syphilis experiment yep and then also when we talked about another film of the immortal life of henrietta Lacks, and yep. how over a long period of time they were using this woman's cells for all these medical research but never acknowledged her or gave the family any sort of compensation or anything yes reminds me of that yeah and again i mean he could have he could have uh, uh, explored that angle uh, but then that would have required, a, I think, a substantial expansion of the latter portion of that film. Um, it, it was there to, for the taking, but it, again, that's one of the that's the other second major theme, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but he didn't. He did. He, he just kind of threw it in almost as an afterthought. And I know mm. another thing he was trying to reflect with this film because this came out in twenty twenty one, and I know production for this film was halted during the COVID pandemic. And I know he was trying to say you have all these people isolated from the outside world, yeah. stuck together over a certain period of time, just how that time affects how, you know, it feels like it's been a long time, but it's only been like a month or so for COVID, you know, yeah. when, the COVID when COVID was at its worst, when yes. you were isolated and you couldn't go anywhere except like the hospital or grocery store. Right. Yeah. And, and so did he say that this, this had influenced his, he said decision to make this film uh maybe like the, we're, we're working on the script i think he might have already started on it yeah yeah and, and again uh it, it, that's a possible avenue he could have developed uh but the isolation only happens a day mm-hmm. right it might have been more interesting and a little more feasible from a, an audience's perspective when you're trying to put yourself in the shoes of the characters 
it might have been a little more feasible to have the aging process, even though accelerated, going on, a, on at a slower rate in isolation. So maybe over the course of a month, two, three months, uh, would have been interesting to see that too, because you you know you have you have other movies kind of exploring the effects of isolation on small groups of human beings and thinking of Lord of the Flies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they make some very interesting points about uh, or assumptions about human nature and how humans would behave in that circumstance. It'd be interesting to see what they would have done. Uh, what he he might have done with that if he had stretched out the experiment, so to speak. And one thing I thought, you don't really quite show it because, like you said, at, with Trent and Maddox, who are now fi- roughly about the age of 50 when they escape, yeah, you don't really see as far as like their in- level of intelligence because Trent is real life six years old. Yeah. And she's like 11. Yeah. So, and it's like now that they're 50, would almost be they considered uh, developmentally disabled because, you know, they're, he's like in kindergarten level learning. She's like fifth, sixth grade yeah. learning. Yeah. And the fact that they, you know, things that they're expected to know as an adult, whether it's, you know, college education, high school education, they don't have that. So now they're way yeah. behind. And they are the, as it were, the collateral damage for the medical experimentation. But you get no indications of that. I mean, yeah. you're having to read that in, aren't you, on the end here? Because we don't see what happens after they're picked up and rescued. Um, it looks like they've apparently morally and emotionally matured to being like 50-year-olds. But, yeah, you're right. It, nothing said about the intellect. And it would be very surprising if they were able to do, I don't know, calculus or college-level cal- <laughs> algebra or something like that after having been on this uh, beach for one day real-time 50 days subjective time. Um, But yeah, they don't develop that. And they could have, again, maybe in the latter portions of the film when they're discovered, they could, they could be confronted with, you know, okay, you're, you're allowing a a tremendous amount of collateral damage. In fact, somebody does bring it up in the film. You're, you're allowing a tremendous amount of collateral damage with the family members that come out, come on, come on these trips can't you find a way to not do this? One guy actually says that to the head guy, um, one of the laboratory people. Um, but again, that's just one line in the entire film. That's another area of exploration. If you're looking for ethical conundrums or dilemmas to develop in a film, uh, if that's your goal, uh, that he just doesn't do. It's that one line and that's it. Yeah, because it goes back to, I don't know if he was, how serious he wanted to be, if he wanted, like you said, like a goofy 50s B-movie or like a theatrical-length episode of The Twilight Zone. Yes. But even, like, The Twilight Zone, like, they they take those very seriously. Yeah. And there's, think of the uh, Third is Meredith as a librarian, like, he's taking that seriously, and there's good dialogue. So yeah. He's not hamming it up or just saying some no. weird nonsensical things. Yes, yeah. His most recent film was A Knock at the Cabin. And I felt that that film was pretty much night and day. Like I wouldn't say it's perfect or up the level of Sixth Sense or Unbreakable, but it, mm-hmm. every, the dialogue is much better. The acting, they act like real people. There's no awkward dialogue. But it, yeah. the premise of that movie is these two men, gay couple, and they have this adopted daughter. They're going in this cabin for a vacation or whatever, but the girl is approached by this man. He says, I'm sorry, I, I want to be your friend, but I'm sorry, it's going to be a very, you have to face this difficult decision. Him and these three other people break into their house, tie him up, and said, you are going... 
and we don't want to do this, but unfortunately, you're gonna have you are gonna have to choose to kill one of these people to save the world. And for every cho- every day you don't, thousands of people will die. So yeah, if they don't believe them. The first yeah. one gets killed. Tell TV. Yeah. There's a plague. Next time, like a massive tsunami. Yeah, and they keep they the more they keep waiting, and then there's uh, this thing of like, is this fake? The one guy says, oh, you're, you're planning this. You're just using all these news events and using it to fit your narrative. Yeah, so you yeah. don't know, and then you learn more about the backstory of the two men, why they're hesitant to believe them. They think it's a hate crime. They think there's homophobia involved. It, it's not a perfect film, but it's got that goofy stuff, especially at the end. Yeah. Every shaman film has some really silly stuff, even signs with the whole, oh, yeah, they, they can die with water. Like, yeah, but, that's a classic. But it, it, it's it, but this watching these two, it's night and day as far as like, yeah. at least that film. That's a more story. fully developed ethical yeah. dilemma. That's a heck of a one. That is the trolley problem on steroids. And that's what you want. And that's what he 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 can do a good job with with uh, things like that. But you're right. He's just hot and cold when it terms to the quali- comes to the end product's quality. And this one, it just, like you said, it's so bad, it makes you wonder if he did it on purpose. It makes you think that the, the, the scattershot method of just giving you what are not even quite thumbnails, thumbnail sketches of the interesting ethical questions or philosophical questions or psychological questions that would come from increased aging happening over a, a very short period of time. And this kind of, roughly speaking, utilitarian justification for uh, collateral damage in, in medical experimentation. Um, he, again, these are not even thumbnail sketches of the issues involved with those things. And it does keep raising the question of, you know, what was the intent behind this film? And it does make you almost hope in his case, because he does come up with some good films, you know, uh, that he just decided to be quirky and uh, indulge his quirky and silly side with this one. Um, but I'm not sure. But even like in yeah. I, I mean, even these good stuff like Signs or there's always that kind of weird dialogue, like especially like I've always noticed like. He doesn't know how to write children because I just, I feel like children don't like in this movie. Children don't talk like this. Yes, they don't talk like this. And like, yeah, even at the beginning, like she was giving her mom like a psychological analysis, like what eleven-year-old is does talk that? Like yeah. freaking Sigmund Freud. <laughs> yeah, that's true, um, but he 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 is wise enough to kind of uh, keep that at a, a minimum mm-hmm. and use it for comedic effect in in his more effective films. This one, at first, it's kind of comedic, but then it just gets tiresome. And you think, uh, if, if he's not doing this on purpose, he really did not sit down with an editorial eye and look over his script before he started shooting. So you kind of start getting angry at him at, yeah, about through the halfway point of this film. because Some of the dialogue is, like you said, laughably bad. Not just with the kids, but the, the mid-sized sedan. He just comes off as completely unbelievable unbe- and stereotypical. And he, he just doesn't do it. There was even one line when, because um, mid-sized sedan is black and the one woman is black. And they're talking about the rapidly aging Mid-sized sedan goes to this woman. He goes, first time they wish they were black, huh? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just crazy. All right, getting close to the end of my questions here. Is there anything else you want to bring up? Any uh, favorite lines? Uh, Any lines that made you laugh? This is my favorite one. Is the dog is dead. It was just alive a minute ago. Yeah. I, 
Actually, the, the, it did make me laugh. It's the one that I, I thought, gee, I wish he developed this further, was that scene on the beach as the two parents are about to pass away, right? Mm-hmm. And they they had obviously had serious problems, which to them uh, mentally now is decades in the past, and they've forgotten it. And what what shines through is simply the love and affection they have for each other. And then they hold each other. Uh, and then they, uh, what were we arguing about? You know what? I don't remember. Um, that simple set of lines, I think, really captured that. And it was the, the one the one area in the movie where the characters came through as not being flat kind of cardboard cutouts. Yeah, like, you know? Yeah, but that was it. Okay, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. There you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics of the Naval Warrior and The Duel. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds, which episode dedicated to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at thesoundofcinema.podomatic.com. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Saying, excluding the possibility that a female Scandinavian Olympian was running around outside her house last night, what else might be a possibility? (laughs)